0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 515 of Coldweave Soundcheck, I'm Aaron Pollack. This season we're chatting with the performers of the Weaves Five Festival in Chicago September 23rd and 24th at Metro. Friday night, the Axar, Meatbeat Manifesto, Clock DVA, The Black Queen, Vampire Invil, Chant, Polyfuse, and Hive. Saturday, the Axar, The Cox, Pig, Cubanate, 16Volt, Dead One I Founder, Bloody Knives, and Conga. New to this year's festival are after-show DJ sets downstairs at Smart Bar, featuring DHS, Not Breathing, Richard23, and Black Asteroid. For more information and ticket links, head to coldwaves.net. For our final episode of the season, we're chatting with Friday Night Performer Justin McGrath. This is Polyfuse.
1: hard dude to get a hold of oh man i'm so sorry such a bastard i keep getting whisked away to various uh places it'd be cooler if i could just stay home and do nothing i wish i had a real steady job instead of like just being whisked away into the random places i get sent to so maybe someday
2: you want to trade places with me and have a soul-sucking software engineering (laughs) job for a week and see how quickly you you want to go back to your life
1: Actually, I know all about that, because I spent about eight years working for Motorola. <laughs> so that was my previous life.
2: Let's start off with all the touring that you've done. You've you've worked as a tech with Nine Inch Nails. You've been on the Pussifer Tour with Paul Barker. Uh, you've done a bunch of other stuff. Tell me about working with all these other bands.
1: Yeah, so um, my tour life was sort of a surprise for me, because I was definitely, as I mentioned previously kind of had a desk job um, working for Motorola as a sound designer for about eight years straight. I kind of shifted and got an opportunity to work for Nine Inch Nails as a keyboard tech, so I tried it out, and I honestly thought I'd last about two weeks, but I ended up doing the the whole tour, which was nearly two years. It was the whole um, tension tour that just happened, the last Nails tour. My primary role was working for uh, Alessandro Cortini, the keyboard player, To like kind of design and build his setup and do sound design and just get him whatever he needed basically for the show. That sort of turned from um, doing synth and keyboard stuff to doing guitar teching, which I'd never done. So, sort of scary and definitely a, a giant thing to jump into. I went in on the deep end 100%. Can't believe I made it out.
2: How did the different tours compare with each other? Are they really different? Is like the vibe of, of one band really different than another one?
1: Yeah, they couldn't be any more different. Um, with Nails, it was uh, it was pretty stressful, of course. I think everyone kind of knows how that goes from the outside, so from the inside, it's kind of the same. We had to do a lot of work. It was just tons and tons and tons of rehearsals and building rigs and rebuilding rigs, and every few months... The show sort of changed um, and the band changed so the requirements from the text kind of had to be uh, changing all the time and evolving so it felt sort of working for like maybe three or four different bands with nails uh, over the course of the tour with Pussifer completely different very locked in sort of I won't say easy. It's not easy or anything like that. But it was more streamlined, and their vision of it was uh, very set in stone. And what they wanted to do every day was kind of kind of the same, rather than mixing things up. So it made it easier in one way. The two camps are actually sort of related. There's kind of people involved in both sides. So it's kind of how one thing led to another, I suppose. So tell me about
2: the Polyfuse Project, how you got started with that.
1: Polyfuse Project is slightly embarrassing how it got started, which is it was pretty much my high school band. First started in um, a Battle of the Bands sort of contest when I was like a senior in high school. I don't know. I wanted to be the uh, only electronic guy there, so I put in my best effort and came out slightly embarrassed. It didn't really go anywhere. I think the... Only real cool thing I did was, way back when, I had the opportunity to open for um, Chris Conley at a little coffee house somewhere in my hometown, and that was really fun. But I completely abandoned the project, went to college, and did other things. So the Polyfuse project came back sort of uh, accidentally. I was working on a lot of music that involved heavy piano, and it was more in the IDM genre and it was more emotive and something happened where I just wanted to do like a loud industrial album kind of like the things I'd listened to in the past in high school and the things I tried to do when I was in high school and I thought it'd be fun to do it and it kind of stuck and I kind of liked doing it and I ended up doing shows under the name again and that was kind of fun so it was something that I thought I would do for a little while for fun and ended up sticking. And that's really it.
2: On your Bandcamp page, there's a link to one of the albums. Is Rev? And it says you yep. could, you can buy it now for nine hundred ninety nine dollars or more.
1: Yeah, did you buy it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have two. I have two kids to send to college. I think my wife would murder me if I did that. <laughs> Has anyone indulged?
1: No, of course not. And it's an important point for me to mention my Bandcamp page because I come at this whole project of music in general in a kind of a weird angle. I've never really um, never sent demos to labels. I've never really been interested in kind of promoting myself or doing anything like that. I've always kind of done it 100% for myself as maybe sort of a, a journal or sort of like an outlet for energy. So my Bandcamp page sort of reflects that. I'm not really trying to sell music and Oftentimes I put things up for free and I might release an album and change it three months later or delete it completely. So that track is just one of those things in line. It's my little art project.
2: I thought I read a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago that you were working on a new album and you had a hard drive crash. Did you lose a lot of stuff?
1: Yes, I lost all of my session files, which is normally like a big problem, but I'm not too worried about it. So, I'm just kind of moving on with new stuff anyway. And I have a lot of the, uh, you know, like the latest versions bounced and things like that, which might get released. Um, nor, yeah, normally it would be like a, a huge situation for like a normal band, but for me, no big deal. I'm just moving on.
2: Let's talk about the Cold Wave show. Yes. Are you working with uh, Surachai? Surachai. Surachai. Because he, yes. yeah, he played a couple of years ago.
1: Um, so yeah, Search Eye has sort of always been a part of the live band that I kind of put together. All of the music is done by me and all that. He's, he's contributed here and there to a couple tracks. But um, when I play live, I usually like to have other people on stage with me doing something. And actually, one big element besides Search Eye is um, uh, my, my video guy known as Alibi Visuals who I feel like I kind of treat him as like the drummer in the band. He's kind of like half of the band, and I think the Polyfuse live show wouldn't really exist without his involvement.
2: Are you hanging out for both nights, or are you able to see all the other bands that are playing, or are
1: you running in and out? Oh, I'm definitely going to be there the whole time, 100%.
2: Is there anyone else
1: you're really excited to see? Uh, I kind of grew up on Meat Beat Manifesto, so I'm pretty excited about that. That and The Black Queen, two favorites. Steve from the band I toured with with Nails, so I know him really well for that. He's a great guy. I'm super excited about the band. And, of course, Josh was in Nails, too, so I feel pretty close to them.
2: Was there anything else that you wanted to mention or plug or promote or, or talk
1: about? You know, not really. I'm like not selling merch at the show. I'm not doing anything like that. So it's possible that this might be the last full Polyfuse show, so I'm kind of going to give it my all. and see what happens, and then after that move on to other things. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's like the, the peak of the project, I guess.
2: Are you looking to, to start something else creatively, or are you focusing full-time on, on teching with other people?
1: I'm definitely still going to be teching, but like I, I'm on, I'm going to be always wanting to work on my own music, and I already have been, but the Polyfuse project kind of saw I got to its end, I suppose. I kind of kept it in a specific territory, and there's things that I want to do now that maybe wouldn't fit with it. Things like just like a solo piano album and integrating like some of the stuff I did in the past with more like emotional melodies and stuff that really don't fit in the industrial stuff that I've been doing. So I might come back to it someday, but it kind of just reaches end, I think.
0: On this episode, you heard Body Sprawl, Thrust Rush, and Held Down With Thought. Held Down With Thought can be found on the upcoming Cold Waves 5 compilation featuring unreleased tracks and exclusive remixes by the Cold Waves 5 performers. Pick up a copy at the Metro merch area during the festival. Polyfuse can be found at facebook.com polyfuse. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumenation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Be sure to listen to the previous 14 episodes from this season to hear from all the bands appearing at this year's festival. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Full Blaze, Fallen Chicago musician and sound man Jamie Duffy. Once again, here's Jamie's mom, Pat Duffy, a.k.a. Mama Kid, sharing her memories.
3: It just sort of got to be a tradition that whenever he was touring, when they, if they launched the tour or whenever they came through Chicago, I would make these big band dinners. I remember chem lab coming through and my boss was there and she's like, this is just so strange. She says, I'm talking with these people with, you know, Mohawks and blue hair and piercings all over. And we're talking about when they're in 4-H and I'm like, yeah, these are all great people, you know, they may look a little different, but, you know, you know, I used to say that it used to just warm the cockles of my heart. Nothing made me happier than, you know, in the middle of the night hearing, you know, the sound of, you know, 13 leather-clad, tattooed, pierced, combat booted, you know, musicians slump thump, thump thumping through. And, well, I actually, I had bought a sofa sleeper on purpose that was like a queen-size sleeper, and I had a little love seat that was a sleeper, so we could open them up, and the entire living room became one giant bedroom. And if everybody didn't mind, you could sleep, you know, three people in the one and Went over here and then we had a blow up mattress in the sunroom. So we could fit five people there. And if you weren't too, too picky, there was, you know, a little bit of room in the dining room so people could, I mean, there was one time I think we had about 13 or 14 people in that apartment. I would always be the first person up. And, you know, like Dan Need always has to have his Darjeeling tea. So I'd make him a pot of tea. And, you know, so I'd always try to have whatever it was that anybody needed. And Jamie'd always get his orange juice and I'd put it by, you know, their beds. Or lots of times people'd start coming in. And it's so funny. It just cracks me up when I think about it.